And then I'm going to jump straight into to the Word. If you've got your Bibles, Matthew 5, if you haven't, it doesn't matter, it'll come up on the screen or something similar will come up on the screen. You know, over the last number of weeks that I've been talking about our vision and being a city on a hill and being light in the darkness, that actually we are the city on a hill, that we are light in the darkness. And you know that I've explained that we are setting our stall out. If you're a city on a hill, you, you're looking out for trouble for your community. You're looking into your community. You're trying to bless your community, trying to love your community. You're trying to... See, before we can touch a city for Christ, we've got to touch our community, the, the, the places that we live in, the worlds that we live in. And this is what the Word of God says in Matthew 5, 14 to 16. <clears throat> it says this, You are the light of the world. Let's just rewind there. You. So take your finger and point to me. If, if you know Jesus, don't point to me, point to yourself. You are the light of the world. So these words are Jesus' word, and he's talking directly to you. You are the light of the world, like a city on a hilltop that cannot be hidden. No one lights a lamp and then puts it under a basket. Instead, a lamp is placed on a stand where it gives light to everyone in the house. You know that I'm loving that bit. It gives light to everybody in the house. We have to give light to everybody in this community. Not just the select few, not just the ones that we love better than others. We have to give light to everybody in this community. And it goes on to say this. In the same way, let your good deeds shine out for all to see so that everyone will praise your heavenly Father. I want to keep reminding us that at New Springs, and when I say New Springs, it's not about the building. New Springs is about the people. We are the church. That everything that we do is not for our glory, it's for the glory of God. Are you with me this morning? Because everything that we do is, is for the glory of God. If you think your ministry, your thing is about you, you need to rethink. And that's not the ethos or the culture that we're trying to create in this church. Because if it's about you, have a word with yourself. Because ultimately, firstly, it's about Jesus. And you've heard me say that we're going to look at our ministries, our projects, whatever you want to call them. That if Jesus is not central to what we do, if we're not sharing light, if we're not making a difference, those projects, those ministries are going to go. Some of you, you might be sitting there worried. What's he going to do? What's he going to cut? You don't need to be worried about your ministry or your project if you're living the light of Jesus. That's all I ask. Live the light of Jesus. Let Jesus live through that ministry and through that project. I want to ask you this week, and I asked you the other week, how have you got on this week being a city on a hill? How have you got on this week being light in your community, in your city? It's not a trick question. You heard me say this again last week, and I'm going to rephrase it in a different way. Maybe this is what we need to understand. How have you got on this week looking out for your community? How have you got on this week praying for your community? And I'm going to mention something now, and a couple of the teachers are in, actually. You know, I talk about Red Bee. You know, I talk about Seaburn Dean and Monk Wearmouth and the work that we're doing in there. This is why it's important that we pray for our community. The other day, a young girl, Neve, got poorly at Redby School. And I'm not doing this to get the sympathy vote or trying to get you on side. This is why we need to be light in the darkness. She goes home from school. She's poorly. She hasn't been ill. The next few hours, whatever it is, she dies of a heart attack at 10. Now, I'm not trying to tell you that story to shock you, but that has shocked the community, that has shocked the school, that has shocked teachers and parents and kids all the way through to the core. We have to be light in the darkness. As a pastor, I've said to the head, 
that we will offer any services that we can in, in meeting with people, speaking with people, trying to walk through this journey. Now, I don't know what the answer is to what happened to poor Neve and the family, but what I do know is we have to pray into that. We have to pray for the teachers. We have to pray for the family. I don't know. I, I, I honestly don't understand why that happened. But what I do know is that as a church, we're setting ourselves out to be a city on a hill, light in the darkness. That means in that school, we've got to be light in the darkness. That we've got to bring light in a world where there is no light. In Monk Wearmouth, just before Christmas, a girl who is 16 can't handle the pressure of stuff. And the official line is, she had an accident. That's not the, what really happened. And I don't want to really go into what happened. But she couldn't cope with the pressure anymore. We're in Monk Wearmouth. And it isn't about, look at me, I'm in Monk Wearmouth. Do you know what I could do without going in on Tuesdays? But we're in there because we have to bring light to the darkness. That light is Jesus. That light is Jesus. How do we talk to Neve's family? How do we talk into the schools? How do we talk into Monk Wehemouth about the light of Jesus when these things happen? I honestly don't know. And it's not our job to go into our communities and tell people seven points of why they need Jesus. Somehow we just got to love. And we've got to give light because when we love and give light, that, that love of Jesus will come out. How have you got on this week speaking life into your community, into your city? You see, when I'm talking about speaking life, it's not just talking about good things. Do you know what the life is? Life is the gospel message of Jesus, the good news of Jesus. Why? Because the good news of Jesus changes people in an instant. The gospel. In fact, it says in the scripture... In Romans 1.16, for I am not ashamed of the gospel. Firstly, as a church, we cannot be ashamed of the message of Jesus. If you're ashamed of Jesus, you're in the wrong church. You should not be ashamed of Jesus and the power that Jesus offers and the change he brings, but the gospel message can bring change. It says this, for I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation, and here's that word again, to everyone that believes. The Good News Bible says this, I have complete confidence in the gospel. It is God's power to save all who believe. Let's go a little bit further. The message takes it to a, a different kind of English. It's news I'm most proud of to proclaim. This extraordinary message of God's powerful plan to rescue everyone who trusts him. That word keeps coming up, doesn't it? Everyone who trusts him. That's great because I know our God, I know our Jesus isn't exclusive just because you do this. It's not exclusive to me being the pastor. It's open to every one of us and everyone in our community. And the gospel can change lives. We are not going to change lives. We're going to do good deeds, but hopefully we'll glorify the Father. But it's Jesus Christ that will change lives. It's interesting, some families have started coming to the church. They've said that we come to the church, and they won't mind me saying this, and not looking at where they're sitting, but they, that we need to do something new in our lives. We've been doing a certain thing and getting the same results. We need to try something new. There's got to be something in this God. Well, if you're thinking that this morning, then there is something in this God. There is something in this Jesus. There's many testimonies and stories that can share that. But how are you getting on speaking life into your community?
How are you getting on blessing your community? We live in a world that talks about give me, give me, give me, give me. We're not a church that's about give me. We're a church that's about blessing. You heard me a couple of weeks ago that we have been a church that blessed with hampers and various other things and doing the dropping cafe and all the other bits and bobs that we do. But I'm setting our stall out in 2020 that we are going to bless like we have never blessed before. That we are going to be generous like we've never been generous before. That means we're going to have to spend money. That means we're going to have to spend time. That means we're going to have to deliver things that help people's lives for the better. And when we do that, I'm challenging us as a church as well, not only to get on board, but we have to do that without return. What do I mean? Just because we give somebody a Christmas hamper doesn't mean they should turn up to church and buy into what we believe. But you heard me the other week. I said that we need to invest in people, truly. Not just for the sake of filling our church and getting bums on seats. We need to invest in people. Get friendships. I asked you the other week, how many non-Christian friends have you got? How many unbelievers have you got in your world? Oh, pastor, I can't go. Get a life. Be part of this Christian bubble. It's a bubble. The light of Jesus needs sharing into our community to non-believers of all faiths and all. Why? Because I believe Jesus is the answer. I'm passionate this morning, can you tell? But I'm passionate about Jesus because he can make a difference. Not Nathan Weaver, not New Springs Church, Jesus Christ. He can make a difference. So how have you got on this week? Being a city on a hill, being light in the darkness. Basically, how have you got on looking after your community, speaking into your community, praying for your community, speaking life into your community, blessing your community? And if you're doing that, great. If you haven't started doing that, Today's a new day. I'm not here today to beat you up, but today you can start blessing your community. Today that you can start blessing this community, praying for this community, speaking life into this community, watching out for this community. There's some decisions that get made in businesses and in schools, in various things. As Christians, we need to speak up. Not because I'm not for freedom of speech and what people believe, but there's certain things... Schools shouldn't go down past, businesses shouldn't go down past, and we need to speak up. It's down to the business or the school if they listen. But I don't want us to be bigots in what we believe. Let's believe and, and do this properly. Let's invest in people's lives. Let's live a life that's worth living for, which is for Jesus. I'm very excited this morning. Because it's the gospel, it's Jesus that can change our community in an instant. Things that seem impossible, the God that I know specialises in the impossible. In a click of his fingers, in a blink of his eye, he can bring change instantly to whatever it is. And wherever you are, where you're working, wherever your world's pan out, at college or uni or you're retired or whatever it is, you can be light in the darkness. Well, you don't understand my workplace. You don't understand my school. You don't, we can't say certain things. I get that. But the way that you act can share light. The way that you speak to people can share light. The way that you are kind to people can share the light of Jesus. I'm shocked. You've heard me say this. How many Christians aren't kind? Well, this isn't that church. And if you are not kind, we are not the church for you. Oh, that's very strong, Pastor. 
But I'm really strong on that we are going to be a church that loves God and loves people. Now, that's going to come at a cost. That's going to come with upsetting some people. I'm all right with that. Because my heart isn't to upset, but my heart is that we share the light and the love of Jesus to a world that desperately needs it. I want to remind you of this. And I want you to hear this like I'm only talking to you today. New Springs needs you. In fact, we are New Springs. New Springs needs you. Why? Not because I need bums on seats. Because you have something to offer. You have something to give. You have something that I can't do, but is part of the bigger picture. You might be able to do compassion better than me. You might be able to do kindness better than me. You might be able to do whatever better than me. I'm okay with that. But New Springs needs you. Why? Because you have value. You have worth. It's not about what I can get out of you. It's about what we can do together. And I believe this, that together we are stronger. Together we can do it. Whatever it is that's put before us, whatever we set our stall out to do, we can do it. So where it talks about we can bless this community, Nathan Weaver's not going to bless this community. We are going to bless this community. When it comes to praying into this community, Nathan Weaver's not going to pray. Yes, he is, but we're going to pray into this community. When it talks about looking out for our city, our community, this isn't just about Nathan Weaver. This is about new springs are looking out for this community and city. But that means we have to have our eyes open. That means we need to switch on. That means we need to stop thinking about ourselves and start thinking about other people. But together we're stronger. Together we can do this. I I believe it. We all have our part to play. We all can make a difference. Do we need somebody to lead us? Yeah, that's my job. But that doesn't change the fact of what we're setting our stall out to do. It doesn't change the fact that you have value, you have worth to bring change to this community. If you're full of Jesus, you've got all the tools that you need. My job is maybe how I can help release you into that bigger vision, that bigger picture. So hear this again, this church needs you. Why? Because you can make a difference. Together we're stronger, together we can do this. The other week I talked and started about what it looked like for us to have this invite culture in our church. And I want to continue a little bit more down that as being part of the city on the hill, which is our theme for the year across all our churches, being light in the darkness. But part of that is our invite culture, not just about let's invite people to church and that's our job done. What do we do when people come to church? Are we a welcoming church? I hear all the time that we are a welcoming church, but what does that mean? All our New Springs churches have got the trait, they're a welcoming church that you feel at home. I want to create a church, hear me, not about me, that people don't want to leave. And even when they've fallen out with me, because normally they fall out with me if they're going to leave, that they still don't want to leave. We've got to create a culture where we don't want to be away from this place. We've got to create a culture where we don't want to leave. Not in a controlling way, but this is family. This is what we're about. We've got a bigger purpose together. We've got a lot of culture change to do. We've got a lot of culture things that we've got to shift. But part of that is inviting people. And how, what we do when we invite people. And I want to just mention again, and I mentioned this the other week, that again, I'm not interested in filling this church 
and getting bums on seats. I'm interested that we invest in people's lives, which will give us a platform later on to share about Jesus and, and possibly invite them to church. But do you know why I want people invited to this church? Not so I can say, well, hey, numbers were up this week. It's got nothing to do with numbers because there's people out there, there's even people in this room today, maybe you're one of them, that need to know that Jesus can make a difference in their lives. That the gospel, the good news of Jesus is relevant for your life. That's why we invite. That's why we bring people, not because pastors on our back and saying this is what our new culture is going to be, whatever that means. Because people need introducing to Jesus. Because people need transforming by Jesus. Because people need an instant touch from Jesus. This is that place. You saw the video at the beginning. This is that place where people can come and find hope. Where people can be moved by Jesus. We've got to invest in people's lives. Do you know what? That costs money. That takes time. That means we have to push. Oh, do you know what? You might not be able to go and see Sunderland one week. To be honest, you're not going to miss anything. But you know I'm backing, I'm praying for Sunderland because Sunderland have got to do well, not because I want them to do well. This is part of us blessing and praying for our community. Do you know, I've shared this stat, Newcastle, Liverpool, Sunderland, when the teams are doing bad, wives and families are getting beaten. We have to do something about that. We have to change the culture. For a game of football... People are getting beat up. Families are getting treated in ways they shouldn't because a man's not happy about a certain result. We've got to change a culture. We've got to bring light to the darkness. That's the church that we are. It's not acceptable that a man, and not just men, women do it to men as well, we forget that. But we've got to change a culture. So I'm not praying that they win. I'm praying that atmospheres change. I'm praying that cultures change. I'm praying that men and women, how they act and how they respond, change. Well, that's got to come from somewhere. That's got to be modelled from somewhere. That's about us looking into our city. That's about us speaking life into it. That's about praying for our city. Because we can bring change. I want you to understand this this morning. That when you invest in people's lives, there'll be a right time to not only tell them about Jesus, hear me, the right time, and there's a right time to invite them to church. Because God's timing is perfect. But it might take you six months to get there. It might take you ten months to get there. It might take a year to get there. I'm not saying that they don't know that you're a Christian, but timing is perfect. And I'll talk a little bit more about timing in a few more moments. But I want you to know this morning, don't underestimate the power of a personal invite from yourself. A personal invite to Christ, massive. That's bigger than anything that I'm ever going to do from the pulpit when I say, do you want to come to Christ? Now I see people come to know Jesus, that's my job. There's nothing greater than the personal invite to Jesus. And the personal invite to church. Don't underestimate a personal invite to church. I go to things more often because somebody has taken the time to invite me. Not this blanket, do you want to come to church? Great. Sheila, one week would you come to church with me? Right answer. 
But just a personal invite. Don't underplay the personal invite in your life and how powerful that is. Now, do you know when we tell somebody about Jesus and we invite them to church? They're two different things. I want you to understand today that just because you've invited somebody to church doesn't mean that you've given them the gospel of Jesus. We've fallen into this trap of believing that because I've invited somebody to church, I've told them about the gospel. I've told them the good news. I've told them about Jesus. No, you haven't. You've just invited them to church where hopefully they will get introduced to Jesus and, or a different way of, of living. So please don't mistake them for the same things. They're totally different. But the whole key here is here that Jesus can change lives. If Jesus can't change lives, I'm the first one to back up and go on. I'm a man that stands here that has been changed by Jesus. There's many things that I can tell you where I've messed up, things that I shouldn't have walked into, sin that would make your teeth curl. And I'm not bigging that up, but what I'm bigging up is there's a Jesus that changed my life and gave me a hope and a future for today. And, And there is a Jesus that can do that in your life. And I want to talk to you just briefly what it looks like in this invite culture, some things we should do and shouldn't do. The first thing when we invite people We need to be comfortable with no. Really? Yeah. People have a choice if they want to come. People should see how you're living, which reflects Jesus that makes them want to come. But if people say no, be okay with it. Maybe you need to say something, okay, maybe you can come next time. Maybe when you have an opportunity to come, you want to come. Or you know where we are. Don't give up on asking them. Maybe you say, I'm going to keep asking you occasionally. Is that okay? But don't just, don't be unhappy with the no. People are okay to say no. We've got to be comfortable with that. But then we've got to be comfortable with when people say yes. Are you ready? Are you going to, how are you going to invite them? Are you going to pick them up? Are you going to meet them on the door? Are you going to make sure that they've got a seat when they come in? Are you going to introduce them to people? It's not just about the no, but we've got to be ready for the yes. What would you do if a guest was coming to your house? So, I'm going to come round your house today. Are you going to tidy up? Miranda probably wouldn't. (laughs) (laughs) Would Would you possibly wash the plates that we're going to eat off? Scrape off the breakfast cereal before you give me the pudding? But you know what I'm saying? If a guest was coming to your house, you would try and do certain things. Now, I know there's people that come to your house that, do you know what, take us as you find us. And there's other people that you, you do need to tidy up a little bit more for. And if you ever come to our house, don't look under the stairs because that's kind of where it all is. With our 7,000 toys around the house. But you know what I'm saying? If somebody's coming to your house, what would you do? You, you, you wouldn't roll out the red carpet, but you would do certain things, wouldn't you? Maybe stick some bleach around the toilet. Maybe. It's not student life. It's okay. I'm married now. But you know what? And it's the same with church. What do we do when we invite people? Do we... You go out your way. That's the church that we are. We need to go out of our way. Well, pastor, do you know that they've had three cups of tea? (laughs) And they've had four biscuits? So what? 
That's me. He said, well, I've had four biscuits. Not with the Slimming World police in the front row here. But that's okay. If you want an extra biscuit, have an extra biscuit. But we need to have that heart that says, have an extra biscuit. Have an extra piece of cake. Have a, fill your boots. Because we're not a church that's not generous. We're not a church that's selfish. We're not a church that's not trying to bring out a welcome to people. I'm not on my own this morning, am I? (laughs) Well, I'm going to have four biscuits, whatever then. But we need to make the environment comfortable for our visitors. If you're visiting this morning, maybe you're feeling uncomfortable now. (laughs) So, I know our teacher friends are visiting this morning. It'd be wrong for me to say everybody go and high-five them. Unless that's what you want. No. But somehow we've got to be welcoming. We've got to make a difference. And, and we need to understand this, that people need to be comfortable in church. They need to feel that they're in control. We need to give them an out if they want an out. What are you talking about, Pastor? What? We've, we've got them into church. Why don't you want to keep... Listen, Miranda's great at doing this. Why don't you come to church? And if you don't like it, you can leave. It's two hours of your life. What, what have you got to lose? Or it could be the two hours of, of the best part of your life. But do you know what? If, if, it's not, if you're not comfortable, you can leave. Funny enough, nobody's ever left. Nobody's left yet, Davey, you're right. But nobody's going to leave. Because we're the kind of church that welcomes. We're the kind of church that looks after people. We're the kind of church that they can have an extra biscuit. Woohoo! Radical. <laughs> But give them an out. We need to let people know what's happening. There's no point asking them to come to church. Tell them what time we start. Tell them what time we finish. Tell them what to expect. Tell them we're going to do some worship at the beginning. Now, you might not use the term worship, but we're going to sing some songs because we celebrate Jesus. And tell them that there's a dynamic speaker (laughs) after. Seriously. When does he get here? Well, hey. Do we do excommunications in here? Do we do that? <laughs> but you see, even this banter, something you might not be expecting, this congregational. I'm okay with it because that makes us feel we're at home. What do you do in your own home? Now don't heckle me and boo me off. I don't want a slow clap or something like that. But we've got to feel comfortable. This is our home. This is our home. What time do we start? What time do we finish? Don't let people come in blind. I don't like going anywhere blind. I want to have a bit of an idea what's going to happen. So if I go to speak somewhere, I, I ring the pastor beforehand and I say, just give me a bit of makeup about this church. What's the deal? Or if I'm going to go and speak in a school, or I'm going to do. I need to know a little bit what's going on because I don't want to go blind and people don't want to come blind to church. So we need to fill them in on the details. And this morning I'm trying to preach practical to help us. In fact, I want to bring in this keystone habit. You know, a number of weeks ago I talked about if we form certain habits in our lives, they're called keystone. The keystone habits because either they're good or bad habits, but they create different habits in our lives. 
by doing these single things. And I want to bring in this keystone habit just to help us when it comes to the invite culture. And over the next number of weeks, we're going to have, we're going to really ramp it up when it comes to our invitation culture. We're going to have invites that you can give out. We're going to have a welcome stand. We're going to have, because we need to welcome people. We need to make sure people know where they can get the information. But Andy Stanley who runs a big church in America, and he speaks into lots of pastors' lives, and he speaks into lots of businesses' lives, not just Christian, but non-Christian as well. He's got a church of maybe 20, 25,000 people. He talks about this keystone habit when it comes to inviting. And they put this keystone habit in place for their church, and do you know what? We're going to adopt this keystone habit. Oh, pastor, it's somebody else's idea. Oh, come on. Do you really think I'm sharp enough to come up with all the ideas that go on in our church? God has given me a great capacity, but you know what? I'll nick people's ideas. But I'll honour him. It's Andy Stanley's. So I haven't come up with this concept, but he's come up with this concept, and we're going to use this concept. And he talks about this keystone habit, to get you in the habit of inviting and asking people to come to church. This is what he says. It's called the three not cues. okay? You'll pick it up in a minute. The three not cues. The first thing, if if somebody says in your life, when you're walking down the street or doing whatever, things are not going well, that's your first cue. To ask somebody to come to church. That's interesting, Pastor. That's an interesting keystone habit. Now, whatever triggers in you, I'm just trying to help you that if somebody says those words, maybe there's an opportunity to invite them to church. So the first one is, things are not going well. Second one. I was not prepared for whatever that thing is. The third one, I'm not from here. And if anybody brings those into your conversations as a church, maybe that will just help us to say, do you know what, maybe you'd like to come to church with us on Sunday. Let me mention them again so you can write them down. Things are not going well. I was not prepared for. I'm not from here. Now, I'm not trying to rip off Andy Stanley's thing, but this is a proven keystone habit that has changed the culture of his church when it comes to inviting. And we need to change the invite culture in this church. Those three not cues. This is why we invite people to church. Let's show this clip. The boys should be on the toes at the back, but they're, they're playing snake or something like that. So... <laughs>
So a little fun video, but it's not about trying to get bums on seats. Please hear me. It's about trying to connect people to Jesus. That means we have to invest. That means we have to spend time with people in, in people's lives. And I'm challenged by this myself. This week I find myself going to certain places that I don't normally go just so I can extend my reach. That I don't become part of this Christian bubble that I talk about. You know, there's no point as being part of a Christian bubble if we're not going to do something with what we believe. And that something is Jesus that can make a difference. And maybe this morning you don't know Jesus, but he wants to get to know you. You know, I don't know what's going on in your life this morning, but what I do know is that Jesus can make a difference in your life. That the answer, the questions that you've got, the, the answer is actually Jesus. And you might be thinking, how's that possible? I, I honestly believe that Jesus can answer all of our questions, that we can face tomorrow in a crazy world because of Jesus. And maybe this morning you need to accept him into your life. Well, come and see me after. I'd love to do that. Or ask the person that you've come with if you're comfortable with that. But we're called to be a city on a hill. We're called to be light in the darkness. Let me leave you with this passage again. And this is God. This is Jesus' words. And I want to speak right into your life. You are the light of the world, like a city on a hilltop that cannot be hidden. No one lights a lamp and then puts it under a basket. Instead, a lamp is placed on a stand where it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your good deeds shine out for all to see so that everyone will praise your heavenly Father. May God add his blessing unto his word. Would you bow your heads with me this morning?